is is so impactful to our bodies, to animals, to the earth. And so I just I my legacy would be to make people more aware of that. Hi, I'm Matt McKee. I created Cherry Bomb and the Sweet Blast series of limited edition photos with a mission to start conversations in the room about the bigger topics of food, art, and sustainability. This podcast is the companion piece to that project where I get to share with you some of the discussions that Sweet Blast has inspired. Today, I'm talking with Jesse Hatch from Stillman's Farm, an organic farm in central Massachusetts. They run CSAs and can be found at Boston's Public Market on Hanover Street and at stillmansfarms.com. Jess, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. Nice to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. You shared with me a little before about your background as a private chef. How did you get started in the food industry? So I originally started out working on a private estate in Northeast Harbor, Maine. From there, I was invited to work at a different estate in their kitchen. And I jumped at the opportunity because I love food. I wanted to know more about it, love cooking, all of that sort of thing. So I worked for one summer on that estate in a kitchen under a fairly well-known chef that just did amazing things. I met amazing people, learned so many things. And when I went back to the original estate that I worked at, just by chance, their chef had to leave unexpectedly. So they asked me to fill in for a fundraiser that they were doing. And I did that. And wow. um, I guess I did pretty good because they asked me to stay on as their chef. And I was there for um, six to seven seasons for them. Wow. Yeah. So you got thrown right into the fire with uh, an event. and Oh, yes. <laughs> it came out smiling. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was used to doing the events like on the like arranging flowers and setting up and, you know, getting ready for the guests to come. But the cooking part of it was definitely new for me. I always felt that chefs are basically artists just using a different medium as an artist would often be thinking about how they combine the elements of their chosen medium. How when you were preparing menus as a private chef, how do you go about that creative process? What goes through your mind? Seasonality is really important to me. So super fortunate to be on the coast of Maine. So I would be able to go down to the fishing docks in the morning and basically get whatever they had that they had caught that morning that was awesome. So what I would try to do is create a menu that could fit a few different things so that I could be versatile in my cooking so that the guests were getting the best of what Maine had to offer because most of these people were coming in from out of state, other places, other countries. Um, so I really wanted to showcase what we had locally. And also, you know, to be honest, when you're working on an estate, the, the people you're working for have a lot of say in, in what you do. So I, I really tried to take their interests in mind as well as really trying to wow them with simple, awesome local food. Oh, very cool. So there's a, uh, it sounds like there's a, a bit of an, well, I was going to say an improv, but I guess it's a little bit more longer than that. But you basically on the day of the event are, are creating based on what's in front of you and riffing off of that, if you will, to create these menus. Really, that was my favorite thing to do is to have an idea in mind and then go down that morning, see what they had, fine tune the menu. And then, you know, you actually have to write up a, a written menu for the guests. So, yeah, 
I, I was also very fortunate that the people that I worked for were totally on board with doing that. So, no, oh, very cool. Tell me a little bit about uh, so so after doing the the private chef, you were introduced to Stillman's Farms. How did that happen? Life kind of brought me to the north end of Boston, and I still had private clients I was working for. Some I had met in Maine, others in the city. And being a small town Maine girl, I was quite overwhelmed coming to Boston and trying to figure out how do I source local things without relying on, you know, big box stores, because that really wasn't what I was about. So um, I happened to wander over to the Boston Public Market one day and I saw what they had and I was kind of blown away with the variety of what they had. Completely unexpected. The quality was amazing. So I kind of got to know them, started working for them part time. And um, that evolved into a a full time job because Uh, especially after going to the farm and seeing the operation, it was really inspiring to see what they were doing. And so I kind of pivoted what I was doing. I still maintained a few clients in the city cooking for them along the way, but I really focused on the you know, what they were doing at the farm and how to get that food to people in the city. Okay. I had two questions just went through my head <laughs> at, at the same time. So I'm trying to decipher the two of them. So in terms of what they were doing, I mean, a, a farm is a farm is a farm. Obviously a suburban city boy over here asking the question, but what made this farm special? I think um, what makes their farm in particular special is that immediately you get just like a warm family vibe from them. You really get the feeling and it's genuine that they care about what they're doing. And it's not just about farming large crops and getting a mass amount of food to people. They experiment with new things. They specialize in cool things like hot peppers, tomatoes, you know, produce that you don't normally think of farms producing watermelon radishes, beautiful orchards, and just the fact that they're always trying to do new things to bring people great food year round. So right after I came on, they built they built a sun-grown hydroponic greenhouse. We grow oh, wow. hydroponic lettuce year round. Now this year, Glenn Stillman experimented with bok choy because bok choy is one of our most popular items. So we have hydroponic bok choy that people are enjoying. In a week to 10 days, we'll have our first uh, batch of hydroponic cucumbers available. And um, it's the goal of the farm to do strawberries next. So it's just that they're always reaching for more and better to try to um, keep the people of Massachusetts fed in a helpful way, but also give them variety. Yeah, that was one of the things that has come up a number of times during conversations about uh, buying local things like that. Well, we live in New England, which means that for at least six months of the year, we've got dreary weather and and it's cold and it becomes very difficult to get things like strawberries and and tomatoes that don't taste like, you know, well, the bottom of the grocery store shelf to divert for a second. Sun-raised hydroponic gardens. Yes. How do they go about doing that? Are are they doing that year round? So we're doing it year round. It's quite an operation and very impressive to see. So there are just, you know, it's a huge greenhouse. And so we have rows and rows of um, 
two different types of lettuces, red fire hydroponic and butter crunch hydroponic growing all the time. So the crops just mm. rotate as they're ready. And then same thing with the bok choy that, you know, he's hoping to, to keep that going steady as well. And sun grown is important because it's not grown under artificial light. So you're still getting all of the good things that the sun gives to our produce, uh, even in the wintertime, which is awesome. And it also saves on the huge electrical bills, which tend to offset the, the carbon neutral aspects of certain parts of farming. Uh, if you're growing them under the lights, all of a sudden you have exactly. a huge electrical bill to, to deal with as well. How does that work though in the wintertime when we have, you know, six hours of sunshine on a sunny day? We've been growing in the hydroponic house for maybe three-ish years. And so far it seems like even though okay. winter can be dreary, there's enough of a balance there so that there's enough light that gets in the greenhouse, regardless of if we get a couple of snowy days in a row. We really haven't run into issues so far. Now, I'm not the farmer and I, okay. I can't get too technical on it, but um, I can answer, you know, what I know. Well, I'm not going to go too technical because it'll go over <laughs> my head too fast, I'm sure. What is your what is your role now, though, at uh, Stillman? Yeah, so I'm mainly the manager at the Boston location and it historically has been a very busy location for us. COVID sort of threw a wrench in all of that as it did with, I mean, almost all businesses in the Boston area. We had to pivot, make changes, get creative, that sort of thing. Um, on the more exciting side of things, I just started a project where we're working on dinner boxes, all local, working with other businesses that have the same goal in mind as we do of how they grow things, how they package things, all of that. So um, that's taken a little bit to get going, but I think we launched it just about a month ago. And so that's been an exciting project to work on. What exactly is a dinner box? I develop the recipes myself. I test them at Boston Public Market to make sure that they're, they're good and people are going to love them. We source all of the produce, obviously, from, from Stillman's. We work with other local businesses such as Chestnut Farms, Saluna Garden Farms, George Howell Coffee, Curds & Co., Q's Nuts, which are all awesome local businesses. So everything you're getting in that box with the recipe that comes with it to cook your dinner for the night is all grown conscientiously and locally. You're not just supporting us, you're supporting you know lots of other businesses as well. Very neat. It's healthy as well, it sounds like. Yes. Yep. I do focus on health. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I, I find I have a tendency to uh, default to not necessarily healthy eating. So if I have a box of something in front of me, that's all healthy. It'll give me the excuse not to like pull out the Pringles or something like that. So it, if you had to say what one core philosophy of Stillman's is, what would you call it? So Stillman's, you know, trademark the term conscientiously grown because it's so important to us. We're a smaller farm. To be certified organic is very difficult. It's very expensive. Glenn and Jean have also believe, and I believe that their growing practices at times go above and beyond what organic means. How so? Well, it's interesting. If, if you look into organic guidelines, right, the amount of times a farm is allowed to spray or what they're allowed to spray, it's sort of not monitored as much as you might think it is. Glenn, he's so thoughtful about how he treats the crops and the orchards and all of that so that it's safe for people to consume. It's safe for the 
animals that are around. It's safe for the soil because that's also so important for future generations that are going to come farm that land. Oftentimes, some of our stuff is no spray as much as we can. Conscientiously grown means that someone's farm is always thinking about the impact that their farm has on everything around it, which is why I believe in what they do so wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, that sounds wonderful. One of the things you had mentioned to me before we had started this was about the food insecurity issue, especially that has become prevalent during the pandemic. But in general, prior to that, there was also a food insecurity within New England as well as the rest of the world. How you had mentioned that the, the farm was also trying to address that. Yeah. So we work with a really great government run program through Massachusetts. It's, it's, it's attached to people's SNAP benefits. So it's like their food stamp benefits. But above and beyond that, there's a program called Healthy Incentive Program. And what that does is According to the size of your family, it's $40, $60, or $80 a month that each family gets to spend above and beyond what their benefits are. They have to use it with a local farm. It definitely helps the farms out, but it also allows us to work with those families, educate them if they need to be on, on helpful eating. A lot of times they may not spend their money on certain produce items, right? But if they don't have to think about that money coming out of their food stamp benefits, then they can experiment and try other healthy produce. They might be willing to take the risk on a recipe that that might have failed horribly and, and they would be out a meal for the Exactly, week. exactly. Or maybe, you know, buying a bag of apples may not be in their, their food stamp budget. But if they have that extra money, then they can go ahead and concentrate on on getting those apples or those carrots or radishes or whatever else it is that they they want to buy so we we really enjoy working uh with the program i like that i like that a lot what are you guys working on at the farm right now so right now we're working on getting everything um seeded and started and transplanting getting the soil ready for the crops outside it's a really busy time at the farm it's a little you know dormant like it's not exciting, like you don't go outside and you're not able to pick a cucumber or a tomato, but the work happening right now allows <laughs> us to do that, you know, two to three months. So planning ahead um, and, and exactly. starting the actions to, to be able to get the payoff in, in two or three months. That's cool. So here's a question that I, I, it keeps coming up. I keep wanting to ask people this. So you're surrounded by fresh food all the time. When you're at the end of a long day at the Boston Public Market and you go home, well, first of all, you're surrounded by food at the Boston Market and you're putting all these things together. Are you still hungry when you get home? I Yes, <laughs> because my days are very busy. So, um, you know, the funniest thing is someone will, one of my favorite things to eat are watermelon radishes. I'm not sure I even know They're, what that is. Yeah, so it's um, this great radish. It's, it's sort of a variation of like, green and white on the outside you cut it open inside and it's bright fuchsia oh wow and it it had it's not spicy it has a very nice mild slightly sweet flavor so those are my favorite radishes to snack on and you'll find me snacking on those quite often <laughs> and i 
you know, people walking by will ask me, what is that that you're eating? And, um, you know, it's a great way to start a conversation. I'll take a carrot or an apple or something like that. But I'm hungry when I get home. And I wish I had a more exciting answer for what I do when I get home. But something that's really important to me is taking, you know, at the end of the day, the produce that kind of gets picked over and people don't necessarily choose that to take home because it has a bruise on it or something like that. But, you know, in the end, it's still beautiful, tasty produce. So I tend to, in the summertime, just grill up a bunch of veggies. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do is like a simple stir fry. I love to take our marinara sauce that we have and just add a whole bunch of veggies to it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And something that cooks up quick and, you know, is really tasty. You had uh, hinted at one point uh, in, in one of the things you had sent over to me, uh, the caprese salad. I mean... My husband will, like, he does not complain, but I, you know, he'll look and he'll be like, oh, okay. I will eat that three to four times a week because one thing about Stillman's is our tomatoes are award winning. They are nothing like you've tried before. So it's so easy to take one of those home or two of those home with um, some of our basil and Sometimes I have mozzarella, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll make a quick balsamic glaze, sometimes I don't need it. But it's just so fresh and so delicious. And the season is only a few months long. Mm. So I really try to take advantage of of that. And that is uh, one of our go to appetizers when we're grilling in the backyard. And usually, you know, a couple martinis, a caprese salad. Occasionally, we'll forget that we actually have stuff to throw on the grill, and we'll just spend the evening with that. Just so good, yeah. especially if the potatoes are good. You, yeah. you can't beat it. Yeah. One exciting thing happening right now at the Boston Public Market is we were just nominated by USA Today for one of the best public markets in the country. Oh wow. Fantastic. Yeah. If we get enough votes, just putting a plug in there, we, you know, that would be so meaningful for the farms and other local businesses that have sort of trudged through COVID and still made it a vibrant but safe environment for people. Because if you haven't been in there before, you've got to. It's just such a cool place to experience the best of what Massachusetts has to offer. What are the hours at the Boston Public Market? Right now, we're open Wednesday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. We're hoping that once the weather gets a little nicer, we'll be able to open up more. All right. That has to be on the list of things to go check out this weekend. Nice. If you could go back in time and talk to your 13-year-old self about what you've learned so far in life, what would you say to her? Oh, you're going deep. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, when you're 13 or 14 or 15 or 16 or 21, you're not necessarily thinking about the future of the world that we live in. You're so caught up in what you're doing and your friends and all of that. And I wish at a younger age, I would have been more conscious and gotten more involved in, you know, what it means to help preserve the earth around us. And I would have educated myself more on sustainability, how I could be more a part of that from a younger age, because I'm as a 42 year old, I, I, you know, the last eight, maybe 10 years of my life, it's, it's been a huge part of my life. I wish I would have done it sooner. Oh, wow. Good answer. Good answer. And observant too. I think, uh, as I think back to my, certainly my younger self up until 25, 26, I was 
relatively unaware of the world around me. So looking forward now, 30 years out, 40 years out, 50 years out, what is your legacy? My legacy? Um, I just would really like to be impactful to the audience that I can reach. You know, working at Stillman's Farm, I especially at the Boston Public Market location, I get to meet a lot of people. Pre-COVID, a lot of people from different countries, definitely different states. I love being a part of educating people about what they're eating and 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 how they're eating it and how to choose what you eat. And, you know, really telling them about how at Stillman's, as I mentioned before, we're conscientious about how we grow and how important that is. So I would just, I'm a pretty simple girl. I would love for my legacy to be that I, you know, in some very small way helped the future environment, future people to really open their eyes and and see you know what we're doing i mean food is is so impactful to our bodies to animals to the earth and so i just i my legacy would be to make people more aware of that fantastic that's what i want to leave behind <laughs> that's a great answer <laughs> maybe a couple of good re- recipes to boot <laughs> <laughs> last thing then what is one really simple recipe for the season that's coming up, like if if I went into uh, the Boston Public Market Saturday and was looking through Stillman's Farm produce, I just wanted to create something really simple. I, I have a, a challenge with my attention with recipes. So if it's something that's going to take two hours to make, I'm going to forget what I'm doing and I'm going to be full on snacking on everything else and I, I won't bother. One thing that I love to tell everyone that comes in and asks me for food advice is that when you have really good produce, you don't need to do a lot to it because you don't want to mask what you're cooking. So we have this really cool section um, at our store at Boston Public Market called the Veggie Butchery. And so we make it so easy to um, bring home all of those things that you might not want to take time to 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 process like butternut squash, sweet potato. Um, so we actually noodle um, sweet potato and butternut squash. Oh my gosh. And one of the things I've been doing this uh, winter a lot is um, taking a, um, a container of the butternut noodles, making a nest on a sheet pan, right? All right? Putting a simple piece of fish in the middle and some cut up radishes around radishes. the nest to roast. I tell you, it is amazing. A little olive oil, salt and pepper. Um, it's just, it's just so good. Wow. All right. Now I have a recipe for this weekend. Fantastic. <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention with COVID was that people became a little more aware of eating locally because they couldn't find what they wanted in big box stores because transporting stuff to stores became an issue. And I want people to remember that the farms were there for them during that time and to keep supporting us because it is important for farms to be here in Massachusetts. So I I would love for people to keep that in the front of their mind when they're shopping is we're still here for them. We're caring about how we're growing and how we're getting the produce to them because we appreciate them and we hope that they appreciate that we were there for them as well. And stop by and, uh, and see us and, and I can meet you in person this weekend or anytime at Boston Public Market. We'd love to see you. That sounds like a plan. Jesse, thank you very much for your time. 
Thanks for checking in with Cherry Bomb the Podcast, the companion piece to Sweet Blast, which can be found at theartofmattmckee.com. Our guest today was Jesse Hatch from stillmansfarm.com, and she can be found at stillmansfarm.com as well as at the Boston Public Market. Cherry Bomb the Podcast is produced by me with consulting help from Suzanne Schultz and Canvas Fine Arts. Please like and review this podcast so that others can find us, and let's start in on the discussion. Just a really quick note before your auto feed refreshes to the next episode in your queue. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe you picked up a new tip or a concept, there are a couple ways you can help us keep creating it. Click on the link at the bottom of the show notes for buymeacoffee.com slash Matt McKee. Coffee is life around here. Also in the show notes is a link to theartofmattmckee.com where you can browse art from my Sweet Blast, Promethean Dreams, and Tool series of portfolios, as well as others. Get some art for that special someone in your life. And if that special someone is you, don't feel guilty. It should go without saying, you deserve nice things too. And last but certainly not least, share this episode with your friends on social media. Let them know you enjoyed it. And then you can start your own conversation. Thanks.